0: Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael
1: Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Okay, so you're, you're watching the news. You've got the news up on your live feed, Russia has, uh, attacked, invaded. They are trying to take over, uh, Ukraine, uh, as we speak, fighting is live and intensifying. Uh, what, what are your headlines? What, what are you, what are you seeing is actually happening on the ground there?
0: Right now it says Putin launches full scale attack on Ukraine and the bottom like little thing that kind of stays up there says war on Ukraine. Hmm. We see, I see a map of Ukraine with uh, explosions in several cities that I don't know the correct pronunciation of Brody, Lutsk. I can say Mm those. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, some that are way too many consonants put together for me to make sense of them in English. Um, But all the way from, it looks like the western side of Ukraine near Poland. And Hungary, all the way to central Ukraine, moving closer toward Russia. Mm -hmm. Um, And just seeing images after images after images of like Twitter videos and Instagram pictures and things like that that people have posted of Mm -hmm. things in smoke, uh, balls of fire shooting up from the horizon, uh, bombing happening. Some even follow a bomb, you know, as it falls to the ground and hits. A target looks like an airport of some kind. Um, And a lot of the media and things like that are broadcasting from Kiev, which I don't necessarily see on the map as being a targeted city. Um, So, you know, it doesn't, I don't know if there has been an attack yet on Kiev, but Mm -hmm. you would think that that would be a foregone conclusion at this point. Mm -hmm. That's probably going to happen at some
1: point. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in his uh speech that he gave after the uh, the invasion the full invasion actually began, he was addressing uh citizens of Kiev telling them to uh calling some of them to come basically come back to Russia and be pro-Russian again. Uh remember our history together, things like that, don't oppose us. Um but yeah, I'm already I'm already seeing too, there's um Six Russian planes fought down, 50 Russian forces have been killed, martial law in Kyiv, I think in all of Ukraine. Um, so it's pretty crazy. I, and I, Something you said a moment ago as we were talking, I thought was helpful that we've, we, have, we haven't seen the map move like this. I mean, the, the overtaking of uh, Ukraine is unique in our lifetime.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I could pull up a map if I had them from when I was in fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: in, in a textbook. And outside of a few changes, you know, probably maybe Taiwan uh, and maybe the Balkans, mm-hmm. um, you know, U- former Yugoslavia, now uh, be- um, Serbia and uh, Croatia and that, that area. Outside mm-hmm. of some of those areas, the map for us has remained relatively the same, which I think mm-hmm. is probably a pretty privileged pe- place to be in, in mm-hmm. history, you know, cause mm-hmm. I, I think that's not, that's not been the case for very long, at least for too many people throughout history. Mm-hmm. So uh, for us, I think we're looking at this going, you know, you know man, this is a significant deal. And, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, as we were talking just about what's going on, it's, a, it, it's really a question that people come to when they're wrestling with the scriptures and going and seeing what's on their TV and trying to reconcile what's on their TV with what's in the Bible and going, surely this is the beginnings of the end times. And, you know, the, as far as the apostles and the New Testament writers are concerned, yes, but not beginning. I mean, the mm-hmm. beginning of the end times is the resurrection of Christ from the dead. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. once he raised from the dead, new creation is beginning, and the, the time of death, the time of sin where sin reigns and things like that is coming to an end. So, it's by definition, the end times. And the map has been changing. Well, it's been changing throughout human history, but, you know, since, since Jesus' resurrection, we've known that this is... This is, the, we've known the conclusion that this is boiling to. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it kind of set in motion what is bringing about the eventual end time. So I think as far as the Bible's concerned, yeah, this is a, a great example of it, but it's not the only example. This mm-hmm. is one example of a long list of things that have been uh, what we should consider the end of days.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in one sense, I mean, as you were talking, I was just thinking what we're really talking about is, you know, the the pace of time has never sped up or slowed down. So, like, even when Christ died on the cross, the most, you know, catalytic moment in all history of creation, um, time didn't speed up. You know, things happen there that have never happened anywhere else in a new, you know, there's, there's before Christ, there's after Christ, and the entire you know our existence has changed because of him right but every every day is one day closer yeah every day is one day closer <laughs> so, yeah um so, but, so we're really trying to interpret events and our time and people's and nations and you know there's there's been all kinds of confusion about um what to you know what to expect and um And and I I, I think some of that comes from – not the confusion itself, but Revelation isn't always – Revelation, the Bible, uh, uh, other apocalyptic literature in the Old Testament, it's not always just easy to just jump in and upon first reading go, this is what it means. And for that matter, neither is Matthew or Ephesians. Right. Right. You have to think, study, pray, meditate – uh, do this together in community, uh, listen to past voices. Uh, there are a lot of ways to read, interpret, understand your Bible. Um, but Revelation in particular is known for the eschatological uh, literature, is known for being difficult. Um, yeah. And so because of that, sometimes I think we jump too quickly to, oh, that, that says kings, that must be Putin. Uh, yeah. That says 10, it must be Rome. It says, and... And there's the other extreme of going. This is so symbolic; it has no, you know, it never lands in time in history. Right. Uh, it it doesn't ever. It's never rooted in reality. It's all, you know, it's so spiritual. It's only spiritual. Right. And it has doesn't really matter to us. Um. And I, I'm preaching Revelation 17 this week, and those those interpretive questions are forefront sure uh we're talking about the beast the prostitute babylon kings uh 10 kings seven horns we we we've got some interpretive challenges in front of us and and i'll say as i was reading this morning uh and and writing for a minute that the thing i was thinking about russia wasn't necessarily um in in terms of revelation 17 or or any chapter of the bible uh wasn't necessarily is this it? Is this some kind of movement? Is is Putin one of the ten, or, or you know something like something like that? I don't know anyone that's actually saying that either, right. uh, per, um, personally. <clears throat> but my thought was um, the kind of world order movement that Russia retaking Ukraine represents in history, going back to the breakup of the USSR. Um, I, I never really had. I I don't think I've struggled with faith that revelation is real and is going to happen as John sees it and is prophesying it, but it feels realer, realer. Wow, there you go. Uh, it feels more real. It it yeah. feels possible. Like it 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 I I can see kings moving and, and doing things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So it, it it I'm not trying to say this is it, but I'm trying to say the things Revelation is talking about. Uh, John clearly was trying to apply this to kings on earth dwellers of the earth, people's nations, tongues, tribes uh even in revelation 17 and so um it, well, it just I mean revelation me is it's close to home.
0: revelation itself is a bloody book mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a book of war mm-hmm. and uh so you even even the the opening few chapters you mm-hmm. know obviously the churches are warned they're coming for you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, endure to the end, mm-hmm. uh, the, and the and the churches are under persecution. the The chapter one, he has the keys to death and Hades. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter five, there is a lamb standing as though slain. Um, so you you get, and then you get obviously six, the opening of the seals, and you get war horses marching down through through history. So, you know, Revelation itself is a book of war, and, you know, you you see these war-like images, and it's clear that John is communicating Mm -hmm. um, that... We were in Armageddon last week,
1: chapter 16. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's going to be bloody, Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's obviously times where he's referring to figurative war and other times where he's referring to actual war and, Mm -hmm. you know, or alluding to to war in some way. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but I think anytime you experience in real time war happening, your mind is immediately drawn to Revelation just because of how much warlike imagery is mm-hmm. is present there. Whereas, you know, in the Gospels, you know, outside Matthew 24, 25, outside of a few of those passages, you get a lot of... Um, you know i i you know here's jesus coming uh, humble and lowly and mm-hmm. you get a lot of that uh mm-hmm. coming to save the sick and and heal the blind and mm-hmm. and things of that nature and so you you tend people tend to gravitate toward the gospels and go you know all right i li- i like this idea of new creation but the bible mm-hmm. is basically saying new creation is what jesus is bringing in and he reigns but to bring about new creation, it's not old creation is not going to go, not going to go without a fight, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's kind of the idea.
1: Yeah, and Christ Himself. I mean, this is a couple of weeks away for us, and um, when Christ Himself comes, it, which is I, I, my take is that He is pictured coming multiple times through the Book of Revelation. That's mentioned multiple times. Not that he um, actually comes multiple times. Correct. That's yeah, that he, That's what I that's what I meant to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that he's in, depicted coming. Yeah, Jesus. He, you know, his fourth return. No, um, <laughs> yeah. Revelation nineteen when Christ comes, he uh, the clouds open. He's on a white horse. His name is faithful and true, and he comes in righteousness. He judges and he comes to make war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. You talked about the the bloodiness of Revelation. Uh, The name by which he is called is the Word of God, which is different than Babylon and the other names that are mentioned through the book. The armies of heaven, fine linen, white pure, follow him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So, yeah, Christ isn't Christ is isn't even kind of beside the war theme in the book of Revelation. Yeah, As in there's this war, and good thing Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the warrior. He is yeah. the king of kings. He is coming to make war yeah. is what it says. Yeah. So it's pretty hard to get away from. You 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 your Jesus obviously whatever you have in your mind has to have something to do with kings and war. Yeah. Um and uh the the book of Revelation then, you know, I, I think one of the struggles is we're we're always trying to figure out where is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? All these wars that are talked about, the war that is talked about over and over. Where where does that happen? When is it going to happen? Who how do we know if we're in the war or not? How do we know is the war, was it Rome? Was it the first, second, third century? Is it now? Is it future? Um, the, the images that we have all through the book of Revelation, uh, we have a hard time telling if they're predictions, if they're symbolic. Um, what, what would you say is your main first thought about interpreting war, kings, beast, Babylon, uh, things like we find in revelation 17 my chapter for this week or even revelation 19 we just read about christ
0: well so the the way that i think about you know revelation unfolding as it pertains to us mm-hmm. is that we like like he mentions in in uh revelation 14 we follow the lamb wherever he goes mm-hmm. so what so i think on the one on one level what what role do we play in the war? Well, we mm-hmm. are the ones being warred against. John mm-hmm. tells the churches that in 2 and 3, um, throughout 6, on through uh, the end, virtually the end of the book. The saints who follow after Christ march to their death, proclaiming... The name of Christ all the way. So we that is our part in this war is that we follow the Lamb wherever he goes. And the mm-hmm. Lamb marched to death. We see back in five, he's standing as though slain. Mm-hmm. He marched to death. The result of us following the Lamb wherever he goes is eternal life. The mm-hmm. one who conquers. How does he conquer? He doesn't we're not picking up arms to fight. The one who conquers is the one who maintains faithfulness to Christ through death. So that's kind of the part that we play in the war, is that we are warred against. And the way that that manifests itself, I think, throughout Revelation, and what Revelation is really depicting, is every Christian throughout history being warred against by what he refers to as the beast Um, or the unholy alliance between the beast and the prostitute, um, the unholy city, Babylon, things like that, um, that they together in kind of an unholy alliance war against the followers of the Lamb Mm -hmm. who are are maintaining faithfulness to the proclamation of the gospel. And then at the end... There is a, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, spiritualize things to where they have no meaning. I'm saying at the very end, Jesus is the one who comes and avenges the blood of this, the his, of those who have followed after him into their death. Um, we see in 6, the uh, martyrs are, you know, calling out from under the altar, how long until you avenge our, our blood on the earth? Mm-hmm. And um, And at the end of the book, what the passage you just read is an answer to mm-hmm. that the judgments yep. throughout are an answer to that and they say that did you listen to my sermon last week oh no uh. no i haven't oh, yet that's what i said
1: okay good we talked about that
0: yeah uh but yeah it's uh so he says um here's the saints under the altar and then in i believe it's eight there's the bowl of incense which are the prayers of the, the saints prayers. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so these saints are crying out under the altar. How long until you avenge our blood? S- saints are praying on the on the earth. Uh, you know, it's getting really bad down here. You know, I mean, whatever the mm-hmm. content of their prayer, and and that, the, the, you know, I mean, whatever it is, you know, obviously so that was exactly it. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a direct quote. At least it would be for me. Um, <laughs> but but you know the the bowl of incense is depicted as being filled up in the and it's the prayers of yes. the saints and that bowl is later poured out you know uh, on the on the earth mm-hmm. and in judgment and so th- there's mm-hmm. an answer to the prayers of the martyrs the prayers of mm-hmm. the saints who are following the lamb wherever he goes and that mm-hmm. is to death and so then so then you get at the end of the book finally the Lord physically answering those prayers in Christ returning and vindicating all of the saints who were slain. And mm-hmm. he, he returns as this warrior. And I, mm-hmm. think, I think there's both spiritual implications to that. There is, well, he's going to show up and judge. And I think mm-hmm. there's physical War being depicted and 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 and, mm-hmm. and will legitimately be, be fulfilled, but it's not yeah. going to be in Russia moving their, you know their tanks to the border of Ukraine. It's it's in uh, Christ coming back from heaven, um, and and all of the kings in all the nations going, oh, the Christians were were telling the truth, they were right, mm-hmm. you know, and the game is up. And, yeah. and, and a realization that that's, that's happening. And then obviously, you know, eternal torment for those that do not follow the lamb.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think, I don't know if that answers your question, but you know, I think yeah. in terms of how, how we fit in, I'm not, I'm not primarily reading revelation going, Oh, that's Russia. Oh, that's uh so-and-so. And I, and I think there are some correlations to, to real Kings mm-hmm. and things like that. And we can talk about that later, but, I'm not primarily reading it that way. I'm primarily mm-hmm. reading it going, John is calling me to follow the Lamb wherever He goes. John is calling mm-hmm. me to walk to my death, maintaining mm-hmm. my confession of faith all the way to the end and resisting the temptation of Satan. And John is telling me to wait because on the horizon will come Christ one day and He will judge the living and the dead and He's going to end all of this. Mm-hmm. You know? So I feel like... Those two things have to be kept in tension
1: throughout the entire book as we read it.: mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we, I think that's helpful because of what it does is it, it, it places Christians as the polity, the people, the citizens, the kingdom, with Christ as king, and then the rest of the world who does not have Christ as their king. Mm-hmm. Period. That the the world is a world full of nations and peoples, and kings, and Christ is the King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. From Revelation, that that starts back in uh, Revelation chapter one, the introduction to Christ is that He's the King of Kings, mm-hmm. the King. So when I when I come to my passage like Revelation seventeen, it's it starts getting at one of, one of the things I see it doing, which we've talked a lot about through Revelation, is that revelation john is seeing visions kind of in heaven revealed to him from heaven about god and christ's and the spiritual relationship with what is happening on earth mm-hmm. that it is not just a spirit when we when we spiritualize things when we when we see allegory when we see illusions when we say well this is not a literal City that we can point to on the map, it doesn't mean that he's not talking about Earth, right. he's not talking about us and our time. Right. So, like in our passage, for example, it—the uh, one that I'm preaching this week—the prostitute is seated on many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality. Yeah, and with the wine of whose sexual immorality, that I think, is a like spiritual um, adultery against God. Right, the dwellers of the earth have become drunk so the the text is saying plainly there's a relationship with with babylon who's not referred to as babylon of the earth but referred right. to babylon seemingly symbolically and how the kings of the earth and those on the earth have followed her and given their power to her and have uh you know both been co-opted by her right. so that it's it's telling us about the earth as we see it and experience it and live in it it's telling us about kings of the earth dwellers of the earth uh, in relation to a spiritual reality yeah and my understanding revelation for example in 17 we've talked about this a couple times this week is that the the main goal of the ten kings the seven horns uh, the one that was not that one that was that is not that one that will be again. Uh, the goal for John wasn't to identify them. And when our modern-day commentators seek to identify them, it's like the Wild West. It, it, I mean, there's just... Yeah. there, Even among guys who have... who are in the same um, kind of interpretive camps, like, so I've got several idealist... Uh, I think idealist, all-millennial-leaning... Uh, interpreters in front of me, and they don't land on the same yeah. interpretation. Of,
0: don't land in the same place. E- exactly, wildly exactly. different.
1: So, yeah. um, I, I, I think that really brings us to the point where you, uh, it, anyone who says this is absolutely speaking about a certain nation, a certain people, a certain place, a certain time, unless it is naming it in Revelation uh we we really don't have the authority to to do that, yeah know? I mean
0: how can you like how could you possibly come to revelation and go, well, this is definitely that you know yeah. and 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 pint well the the seven heads and the ten horns well, it's definitely you know whatever how how could you possibly do that all yeah. you're doing is drawing equivalencies to ten uh kingdoms that had ten rulers. well lots of kingdoms had ten rulers, yeah you know I mean so there and and you know wh- what would the seven head? I mean, like it's obvious that John is being. Um, I, I don't want to say cryptic because it's a it's a revealing, but right. but I, and I don't want to. I'm not trying to trivialize anything that he he said, and I think it does have real meaning. But what I mean is, J- John is is clearly not naming who he's talking about, mm-hmm. and we have to come to it then humbly and say, well, John didn't give us the name.
1: And and mm-hmm. for that
0: matter, Daniel, you know, he mentions four beasts uh, in Daniel 7. And and a lot of people have t- attempted to name those beasts. Which kingdoms are they? Are they, they Medo-Persia followed by, you know, Greece and, you know, whatever, or, or Babylon first and Medo-Persia, then Greece and whatever. And Rome, is Rome in there? Is Rome not in there? Does it end with Greece? And there's been fierce debate, but the flatly we just have to say daniel does not name them so at best you might be able to draw some equivalencies but it's just a guess mm-hmm. you know and so how can it not humble you and just say i mean maybe he's talking about this but i'm not entirely sure and mm-hmm. yet when you read some of these commentaries you know it's like no it it is definitely this and anyone who disagrees with me is going to hell you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, brother mm-hmm. you cannot be that confident about mm-hmm. <laughs> about a book yeah. that is this ha- has this much has this much layers of images you
1: mm-hmm. know on
0: top of it i mean mm-hmm. we have to at best just kind of be a little bit humble in our interpretation mm-hmm. you know i think anyway
1: yeah yeah and so it, it makes me think in a future podcast we should consider the importance of the physical return of Christ, what would what would keep interpreters from kind of referring to Christ coming only as a spiritual event and a non-physical, non-embodied event? Uh, maybe something to consider at another time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think in—so it, it's a balance between, um, you know, one, one danger would be to so spiritualize this this, to so spiritualize the symbols in the language that they are um, very far from us mm-hmm. and very far from our lives and reality that their their meaning is only kind of theological truths and it's not actually describing events that are going to happen in history yeah uh, of some kind yeah. uh, and the other side is you know uh, you know I'm, I'm reading revelation 17 today I picked up the newspaper today Putin is invading Ukraine well it they seem to connect right yeah um that 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 would be uh that would be an, an erroneous use of the images that John is seeing in the book yeah. of Revelation and others in the New Testament and Old Testament
0: yeah and and but that being said like I think you you're talking you know we get to 17 and he says um let's see uh and he carried me away in the spirit in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. Now you know what is that that beast obviously in biblical imagery, horns on a on a head uh, of a beast, a beast being a kingdom a horn typically being referred to as the king of that kingdom or the leader of that kingdom mm-hmm. and you've always got seven he- a seven-headed beast which implies at least that there's this is a a unified you know multifaceted uh government of some of sorts with you know multiple rulers kind of coming together and uh or potentially as some people kind of put it a, a it's depicted as, as Rome with its, you know, 10 Caesars or whatever. And and so then the question becomes, is is, is John here talking about uh, Rome? Is he talking about some future, you know, united government, things like that? And it, I think you have to answer yes to the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's, he's, uh, he's obviously, I think he's obviously communicating to a people who mm-hmm. are under Roman rule. That's who mm-hmm. the letter is addressed to. It's people mm-hmm. that are under Roman rule. And so I think a lot of the images coming from that is a depiction of the world in which they live. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's going to be tons of parallels to Rome. However, if we read a book like 1 Corinthians or Philippians or Ephesians, these are books that are written to particular churches at particular times in, In particular places in history. And we do everything that we can to figure out what their history was, what their context was, what their cultural context was, what their setting was. And the reason that we do that is because there are things that are referred to in the letter that are particular to them. Mm -hmm. But what we believe about the Bible is that in these letters that are written to a people at a particular time in history, that those letters actually apply to us today. And mm-hmm. the way we do that is we go, what was Paul <clears throat> writing to the church at Ephesus? What was he saying to them? And how is that true, first of all, to them? Then how is that true to all people in all places at all times? Well, I think we do this. We should do the same thing with Revelation. We don't often, we try to interpret these images as some future event, and I don't think we should. I think we should say, okay, this had a real application these churches who are under Roman rule. However, Mm -hmm. what John is doing is communicating it in such a way that any church throughout any place at any time in history can read the same thing and apply it to their world in which they live. So Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you you take a, a, let's say, let's say the seven-headed, ten-horned beast actually, in John's mind, is Rome. Mm-hmm. as he's depicting it to these churches that's a, that's his
1: first thought contextually. that's his
0: first thought maybe that's yeah. that let's just say yeah, that's sense. on that's on his mind and and yeah. and that all the readers that's his news and, that day yeah that all his readers are reading it going man that's rome that's a beast Must on it be. is a prostitute
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh at the end of this you know so the, so the prostitute you know he says is babylon yeah i think uh you know, so so let's say the the readers are are thinking that primarily, and they read it that way. That doesn't mean we read it as Rome. Mm-hmm. That means that we understand it to be uh, our own government, or mm-hmm. the events uh, of Russia moving into into Ukraine. Uh, um, you know, the recent stuff with Canada and things like this. Mm-hmm. All of these are pulling pulling back the veil on what the worldly earthly government actually is
1: mm-hmm.
0: and John's depicting it as a beast whereas the churches that he's writing to are some of them are tempted to give worship to the beast mm-hmm. John is saying this is what the beast actually is don't give mm-hmm. worship to it and yes probably depicting it as Rome that may be his first thought that's not his only thought I think he I think if you were to sit John down and you were to say is that also? our modern governments, I think you would say, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. That that here is the... And, and we obviously know that John is communicating an image because here sitting on the beast uh, is a woman arrayed in purple and scarlet, and he calls her a prostitute. But he doesn't mm-hmm. just call her a prostitute. He calls her Babylon, first of all, Babylon the mm-hmm. Great, which is a city at the time, John writes, that doesn't exist but mm-hmm. one that everyone knows. And mm-hmm. everyone knows that this city is a wicked city. It was written about all the way back in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babylon
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, that's that's built there. Uh, everyone knows that that's the city of wickedness, that's the city of sin, and it's depicted that way throughout the entire Bible all the way now into Revelation where John brings it back and goes, this is the great city of wickedness. It's the, the prototype. And how do we know that he's using it as a prototype? Because right after that, he says, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. So he's not communicating a particular city. He's communicating a figure that stands in the place of all the cities. Babylon is a type of all the ones Mm -hmm. that represent uh, sinful and wickedness and abomination to the mm-hmm. Lord, people that do not follow the Lord, and there's an unholy alliance between wicked people, Babylon, and the government systems that they create that are uh, that that kind of demand your allegiance and your worship. And John's saying, mm-hmm. "Don't do it," because here's the end. Here's how that all ends. I think mm-hmm. that's true of Rome. That's true of Russia. True of Ukraine. Even that's true of Canada and America. Mm-hmm. That's true of all of us. So we're reading it, going. That applies to to them under Roman rule, but then I'm transitioning and going.
1: How does that apply to me? Well, he's talking about all governments too,
0: not just mm-hmm. Rome. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and that's depicted so many different ways through the through the entire Bible. I mean, Babylon itself. God did uh, he he brought justice and will bring justice, and so thinking through, like even just critical pieces like uh or, or thinking about bible study through Simeon trust and lens like we've talked about before the passages before and after what's what's happening in this in revelation and my my passage is not happening somewhere else so for example last week when i was preaching through revelation 16 uh, we went to the, the, the seven bowls of wrath. All the armies of the world gathered together at Armageddon, and God overthrows him himself through earthquakes and through uh, through natural means, through the sun, through turning water to blood and all, all kinds of judgments. Then in 17, we kind of zoom in to this one that was mentioned in 16, the beast, uh, and or excuse me, the prostitute who's now riding this beast and the kings of the earth. And the emphasis seems to be here the uh, the self-attacking, the self-destructing nature of idolatry between Babylon and the kings. That the way Babylon is going to go down is not only that the kings are going to conquer, they're going to war against Christ and the Lamb is going to conquer them in verse 14, right? Ultimately, it's the land that has victory. But there's also this aspect of beware, you cannot trust Babylon, you cannot trust kings of the earth because anyone who's drinking uh, the sexual morality and the abominations of Babylon, it's it's all going to turn on itself because the, the Lord... Conquers them in Revelation seventeen fourteen, but the judgment that John sees of, uh of the the prostitute Babylon, it ends with her own desolation being brought about by the very kings that she was setting upon. Yeah, and so it's this: they will hate eight,
0: her and de- and make her desolate, desolate naked, naked, and devour naked, devour her, her flesh.
1: flesh. Yep, it's it it's a it's. It's telling Christians not just the future history, so that you can know tomorrow's newspaper before it happens. Uh, in an in an earthly like, we should have seen Putin coming, or we should have we should have known what was going to happen between America and Europe and NATO or something. But so that you can know all, all kings, all authority, all earthly nations who uh, are. are you know, prostitute themselves to Babylon, to that spiritual reality that forsakes God, and is sexually immoral against God, uh, theologically, spiritually. It's it. It's going to turn on itself. Uh, the very power that you've been writing is going to turn on itself uh, in the end, and you can't trust it. Yeah, you can't trust it. You can't. You can't put your hope in it. I, I think there's a chance for us, as, as I'm thinking, where the applications may be. Uh, for me on Sunday is that there's a temptation for us to go. I'm so thankful that I live in America, and that I don't I don't have to live in the Ukraine, I don't have I don't live in Russia. So glad that I'm safe. And it kind of makes me ask the question: Well, is there going to be any king, any government that's redeemed? Is there going to be any whole nation, a whole army? that is redeemed? America, Switzerland, Australia, Hong Kong, China. Is there is there going to be any, or is it going to be Christ and all who are in Christ, and that's it? That's it. And if so, my safety that I feel in the world order today in America could be a great temptation for me to not consider that my real safety for eternity and now is in Christ and in Christ alone, only. Mm-hmm. So th- there's not like there's these ten kings and there's the seven horns and they're really bad and there's some future people and there's some, there's some other kingdom than the kingdom that I live in. There's some other nation than the nation that I live in. I mean, uh, uh, could, could other countries in the world say that i mean can can everyone in the world say that this is someone else no it has to be us it's us it's it's every nation it's all those who are not who are not in christ uh so it it really the, the passage really doesn't leave us much hope in any nation or any king on the earth none it, it it's warning all of us to be cautious that we are in christ alone because uh all the dwellers of the earth, uh, except for those who are in Christ, are going to be uh, drinking with the prostitute Babylon.
0: Yeah, and it's it's obvious that the beast in this pa- part of Revelation has been set up uh, from as far back as 13 to be the anti-Christ, the thing that is... Meant to give everyone the hope of Christ without the actual fulfillment of Christ, and sort of lead people. And you can even tell, like Jesus has communicated, God has communicated as in, throughout the Book of Revelation as the one who was and is and is to come. Mm-hmm. And then in verse eight of seventeen, you get the beast that you saw was and is not and is about mm-hmm. to rise from the bottomless pit and go into destruction. So he's not to come. Uh, so he was. He is not. And he's not about to come. Uh, He's about to come, but he's going into death and destruction. And so here is the fulfillment of that Antichrist coming about, and it's going to end. Whereas Christ is going to come in and establish his government, which is going to last forever. And the Mm -hmm. dominion that he has is never going to be taken away. Mm-hmm. And so you see two different kingdoms battling. And and I mean, even if you just, uh, I, I love this part of like Logos, which is the Bible software program that I use. Uh, I click on a word and it just highlights every use of that same lemma throughout the text. And it's, it's awesome. You gotta explain lemma, man. I mean, come on. Oh, sorry. It's a lemma is what you, the word you would find in the dictionary. So mm-hmm. if you were, right. you know, there's the manuscript word, which is what the, what the author actually wrote down, then Mm -hmm. there is how that word would actually be in the dictionary. So Mm -hmm. it changes based on how it's used in a sentence and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But what, what word would you actually look up in the dictionary to find what he says here? Mm -hmm. And um, so when you click on a word, it'll highlight every use of that. And Mm -hmm. so when you, when you click on king or power, royal power, uh, Mm -hmm. so sometimes it doesn't look that way in the text mm-hmm. but when you click on king you get the highlight of king, king kings royal power um dominion kings again so like you have probably i'm just l- not counting it but probably seven eight uses of basilea in some some way or another which is king or power mm-hmm. throughout this passage And it's, Mm. uh, so it's, it, he's clearly, and if you were to just imagine if someone were reading that to you, how Mm. often you would hear, uh, King, 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 Basile, Basile, Basile. I mean, it would just, it would, it's just kind of this driving rhythm of Mm. a war of powers, Mm -hmm. um, clashing until one of them finally dies. And who is the one that's going to die? It's the beast. It's the one led by the beast. Yeah. So don't put hope in it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And... Revelation is uh, constantly comparing pictures too. So yeah. you have, I mean, I, I think this is a this is a really helpful way to understand the use of images in the Book of Revelation. That it's it's constantly comparing and contrasting images, and some of them I see closer than others. Some of them I need to be uh, shown by others. Uh, I just got a book. I got a book in this week on topology by Jim Hamilton, and I went straight to looking for Revelation stuff when I got it, and I haven't even studied this that far yet, so I'm just going to take his word at it for now, that Revelation 17 has the woman who is the prostitute. Revelation 21, verse 9 through 11, has uh, the bride of Christ, and the pattern... From the one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls said to me, come, I will show you. He carried me away into the wilderness, and I saw the woman sitting on a scarlet beast. In Revelation 21, uh, one of the seven angels came to me. He had the seven bowls of the seven plagues. He spoke to me, come, I will show you the bride. He carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city of Jerusalem. Yeah. So you you have those patterns that are saying this this is this woman this is Babylon this is the prostitute this is the bride yeah and you you, you want to be well, the bride look, and you've also at, got you have also got Babylon
0: and then you've got Jerusalem yeah yeah the two, exactly the two you have the, great, the great city yeah you have the beast and you have Christ so the mm-hmm. kingdom of the beast and the kingdom of, of Christ mm-hmm. the beast falls and as as though slain and then rises mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. he has the the mortal wound on his head but mm-hmm. then rises uh Christ was obviously slain and he's he's r- rising so the, mm-hmm. there's these John is clearly drawing these parallels between the two mm-hmm. and then demonstrating w- which one rises and which one falls which one can you place your hope in mm-hmm. which one can you actually place your trust in yeah and
1: ultimately the answer is is Christ yeah. And it's just it it begins to show that Christ and his people are a real people. Yeah. They're a they are citizens of a kingdom. We are citizens of a kingdom that is among the nations. A real one. Right? A a real one that is really going to win the very real war that is defining earth right now. But unlike a typical
0: nation, let's say Russia, mm-hmm. which has a people of primarily one language Russian they're one kind of ethnicity they're one sort of breakdown. The kingdom of Christ is people from all nations and languages and tongues mm-hmm. right so it's the the kingdom of Christ is spread throughout the world instead of right. located in one primary region and right. yeah demographic,
1: yeah well i I think too it, it as you read the temptation in revelation or eschatological literature is to uh be be about figuring things out figuring details out you know trying to make the the newspaper in your right hand you know tether perfectly today with the Bible in your left hand doing you know, whatever and uh man it, it is it it really if if you once you get past that and realize that's what not revelation's even primarily doing there's so much encouragement there when yes. you read the news about russia yes there's so much hope when you read the news and are distraught and you are overwhelmed disheartened, hopeless about the news in America. Right. That's not my country. It's not my king. That's not that's not my people. Yep. And you begin to see your see more clearly what's actually going on in the world, what I'm what I'm a part of, and you you're moving past you know, Revelation is helping us move past from Christianity is about me being justified in Christ, and Christianity, you know, as you grow and expand your understanding of what it means to be a Christian, your Christianity is about us being saved by Christ the King, the yeah. people as a whole. Yeah. And what what could happen? What What's going to happen? What's going to happen with Russia? What's going to happen with Ukraine? Who Who's going to war? When? Where? Why? I don't know, but I know the kings of the earth— are going to make war on Christ, and he's going to conquer them. Yeah. And, and honestly, it gives me tremendous hope if one day
0: I end up in prison for preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, our brothers and sisters in, in Ukraine mm-hmm. are very likely to be killed mm-hmm. soon. Mm-hmm. And that's sobering. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, on this side of the ocean, that's, I would even say, terrifying. The Mm -hmm. prospect of that is Mm -hmm. terrifying, and Mm -hmm. yet there is tremendous encouragement that some of them are likely to find themselves under the altar soon, Mm -hmm. crying out, How long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood on the earth? Mm -hmm. And the answer is right here in the Mm -hmm. pages of Revelation. Oh, Mm -hmm. it will come. It will come in a very real way, mm-hmm. where suddenly all the kings of the earth will realize what a grievous error they have made in mm-hmm. their judgment, and it's fine right now. People will make fun of Christianity, criticize Christianity, um, point to the the you know the outliers of, that have have brought shame to the name of Christ. Um. You know, they'll point to all of those different kinds of things as reasons to not believe in a resurrected Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of, we take some of that on the chin, some of that we obviously have to admit, you know, there there have been moments in history, significant moments in history, where Christianity has not had its finest day or has not been the greatest representative of Christ on the earth. Mm-hmm. That's all true. But all of that is beside the point, that Christ rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. and you still have to reckon with the fact that he is coming back to judge the living and the dead.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: there will be a day when he returns where mm-hmm. everyone will realize their grievous errors that yep. they have made. and th- and that includes us too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're not a, we're not immune from that. That mm-hmm. includes us too, uh, um, where where all of a sudden all the trivial things that we fight about, Mm-hmm. or the things that we that make us really mad or the things that we got distracted with or whatever, all of a sudden become such trivial matters that we realize that in comparison with Christ, what were they worth? Mm-hmm. You know, what were all the trinkets and toys actually worth when it came down to it? Now that I see Christ on the white horse riding, uh, you know, to, and, and coming to judge the living. What was all that worth? What, what mm-hmm. was it worth? It was worth absolutely nothing, and I put so much of my time and energy into it, and it was worth... It was nothing. It was mm-hmm. it was meaningless.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it burned up. And the blessing is that in spite of all those sins and grievous mistakes that we make, um, being bought by the blood of the Lamb means that uh, He stood in our place, mm-hmm. and... You know, there, there's great encouragement there, but it's mm-hmm. also, a ch- I think, it's also a challenge to us as a church body, as people, as pastors, that stop spinning your wheels in things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Stop fighting over things that don't matter. You know, put our time and energy into things that are going to last for eternity, because that's what we're looking toward.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's honestly what Paul, what what John is is, well, all the New Testament, the whole Bible is really pointing its readers to is to go stop with the things that are not going to last i mean you realize that you are a citizen of a new kingdom that christ has established and it's gonna it's never going to end
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and not just material things which i think is actually a big piece of revelation 17 but political things uh, the political identity that, I mean, we've talked about this a few times, but the the energy spent, wasted, uh, used for... Uh, and, and I'm not saying we, we shouldn't vote, not saying we shouldn't campaign, not saying we shouldn't even serve in our government as means to mm. love our neighbor and be obedient to God and serve God's purposes on the earth. You know, government is God's idea. But uh, the... I mean just the, the heartbrokenness and the the passion and the money and the time that can be given to um, a political party and the offense that we can feel about a political party or a nation or you know being Japanese or any any political identity that you could feel or enjoy um, we ought to test and and you know is is Jesus my king right? And is this my country and is this my people? Uh, Christianity yeah. is not just a, a religion that we're a part of, or practices that we're a part of, or sermons that we hear. Um, the, the way I said it on Sunday was, this is the gospel. There's not like right. the gospel of justification by sin alone, uh, by, by faith alone, through grace alone, through Christ alone. and thank God I'm saved. Now this is the gospel. Revelation is the gospel, the coming again of Christ, the conquering of kings of the earth. That is the gospel. That is the work of Christ. There, There is that good news of what it means to be in Christ. And and, and you start to think about it as well, and it's like, how did I even get into this? How did I—why am I a part of this kingdom? You know? Yeah. Why am I in Christ? I mean, it is holy by grace. Yeah. That I'm even that Jesus is my King, yeah, and not Babylon, yeah. It's solely by grace, and so so many yeah. so many ways. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and He even says in Revelation 17, uh, He's the Lord of lords, the King of kings. With Him, and those with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. Yeah. Uh, what a grace! Yeah, what a grace!
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 difficult to read that, to hear that, to know the truths of your own salvation being by grace, and then look to someone else and choke them out for sins against you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and and Jesus is adamant throughout the Gospels. The ones that understand that they are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Are forgiving people, mm-hmm. they're gracious people. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it I, I, I think you know it's it's when I read Revelation, there's obviously things that you kind of want to line up and map out and think about, and man, that's a really complex image and kind of iron out. But then once you, once you kind of broaden your horizons, you realize the tentacles of Revelation reach all the way back through the Bible, and you start to see. This tapestry that's been woven in all 66 books that communicate this same message to us over and over again. Mm -hmm. It is by grace you have been saved. Mm -hmm. It's not of yourself Mm -hmm. so that no one may boast. It is a gift of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And that changes everything about who you are. That changes everything about the way you move about your world the way you live the way you think about historical events the way you watch the news it changes everything about the way you see life Mm -hmm. forever because it's it's no longer about the things that are going to pass it's now about the things that are eternal Mm -hmm. and because of that you know what is you know the offense that somebody has against me or so, somebody commits against me is to be forgiven because I'm forgiven mm-hmm. um the 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 way that i parent and the way that i even look at my kids um if if God has had as much grace on on me as I'm now seeing how can i not have grace toward them what about to my spouse how does it not change your marriage completely of course it does mm-hmm how can you not look at your wife and go, I am not the most loving person in the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I read First Corinthians 13, I, I see a lot of holes in my love, mm-hmm. you know? So how how can I then hold something over her mm-hmm. and say, you know, she has to be that, she has to match First Corinthians 13, even though I can't. How can we not then extend grace to the people, you know, across from us? And mm-hmm. So I mean it, it changes everything about the way we relate to everyone around mm-hmm. us. How can it not? And, and if it doesn't, yeah. maybe we don't understand it.
1: Right, and it changes the way I think we are we we think about uh Russia and Ukraine today. Uh sure. it's it's very easy to immediately read the headlines and we've had headlines for a few weeks now that America is sending soldiers. Uh, over to Europe in preparation of defensive support, you know things we're uh, we are we've been told we're not sending any uh, American soldiers into the Ukraine that we're only there for defending NATO um, and so we you know America has a lot of a long history of supporting our boys and our men and women who are in uniform and as a Christian, we ought to be thinking about their our brothers, our family members, our sisters. Mm. Are in the Ukraine, mm-hmm. and in Russia, and in Russia, that's right. That that's and there's and they're they're at war. They were at war yeah. before Putin invaded Ukraine mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah, we're all, we're yeah. already at war, and yeah. that's our. So as we go to pray and as we go to think and and interpret what's going on in Russia, there's a there's a king with a kingdom that's not in the news. Yeah. That is the that it actually is the biggest player at the table, when it's all going right. to be said and done. So that would affect yeah. how we pray, and that sure. would affect our affections, and it would affect how excited we and, and angry we get about what in yeah. in any global turmoil. Yeah. Well, and the kingdom of Christ takes the
0: foremost concern in our mind. Yeah. You know, brothers and sisters that 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 are in. I mean, that that's I think what what could get lost in all of this mm-hmm. is that we have brothers and sisters in Russia. Mm-hmm. Who are maybe even a part of the military mm-hmm. in Russia, who are who are going to be used in this battle in one mm-hmm. way or the other? Maybe they don't even have really a choice mm-hmm. in the matter. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, and so we need to be in prayer for them. Mm-hmm. They may be called, appointed, uh, told to do things that that they might really struggle with, mm-hmm. and they might not even really know the answer of how to mm-hmm. how do I how do I reconcile what I believe versus what I'm being told to do, you know? And so there's all kinds of complications and it's multi-layered, but it, 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 for us in our prayer life, you know, it's the kingdom of Christ being the foremost concern in our mind. What, what's, you know, what's going to be done to our brothers Mm -hmm. and sisters and what's going to be done by them, uh, and a a number of things that they're going to be asked to do. So, Mm -hmm. You know, I think when you put that, when you see what John is is kind of putting out here, then all of a sudden that becomes the the foremost thought of concern in your mind, and it's it's it, it changes.
1: Yeah, and it's also easy life. to think, For sure. you know, we are we're not a part of this. This is distant. This is far. Um, but it, I go back to the prayers from chapter eight and the prayers being collected in a bowl offered up as yeah. part of the entire image of the book of revelation yeah. and what God's doing yeah. that our our yeah. our prayer is calling in support our prayer is um pleading for our king to do what he has promised he's going to do and yeah. uh it is it's worship God hears and um uh it 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 matters so yeah yeah something to pray about and be thinking about this week as we read revelation is Puts just in posture of prayer for brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. Going through a lot of things. Yeah. Do you want to close out by just doing that? I think just that'd be great. Pray for... Yep, yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. God, we thank you for today. Uh, we recognize that in your sovereignty, we never know what we are going to wake up to in our lives. Uh, same for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Russia and Ukraine and surrounding NATO, uh, European countries. So, Father, we just pray for brothers and sisters uh, who are in Ukraine today uh, who are uh, waking up uh, to sirens and explosions today, who are being called up to take arms. Uh, we pray that you would give them uh, wisdom. We pray that you would give them courage. Uh, we pray that you would give them a peace uh, that their king is not in Ukraine or in Russia, but that their king as Christians is in Christ. Well We pray that there may be some uh, through this turmoil who turn to Christ, Uh, Recognizing their brokenness Recognizing their sin in the world And seeing the hope and trust of Christ Through the ministry of the church Through the hearing of the gospel Uh, Father would you be kind Would you be gracious in this time But Father more than anything Would you be glorified uh, As your son uh, is the King of kings And Lord of lords We pray this for your glory And our joy in Christ's name Amen
0: Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast we